Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's almost not describable. You know, people will say, man, it's bliss. It's, it's, um, it's mesmerizing. It, it, you know, all I've heard all these terms. But the one common thing is it's it's something they always knew they had access to. They didn't know how to access it. It felt so good when it came in. They were like, oh, I always knew this. I always knew this. But I didn't I didn't have it because they were probably coming from just the human five senses side that peaks out, maxes out. You, you can only attain so much that way. And when you get that sixth sense that spiritual element, energy, whatever we want to call it, and that comes in, then you have access to information that's pretty much infinite and it's, it's unique to you. And it's going to, it's going to be yours because that you're the only one that can fulfill the purpose that needs to be fulfilled with gaining that. Welcome to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast. Today's guest is Justin Dunn of the American Mustang School in North Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Justin. And Jeff, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited to get into uh, the Mustang School and how it's helped a lot of people um, in terms of mental health. Um, but why don't we get started with, um, how, uh, how long were you in the military and how did you kind of get into the military? Okay. I was, uh, I was in the Navy. I was four years active duty, four years active reserve. And, uh, I, I got in the military to just get some direction in life. Uh, I was kind of headed down a path of destruction and, uh, realized very quickly, man, I better do something about this or. We're never going to make it to 27. So uh, I joined at, at a young age, uh, 18, 19, and uh, come off pretty much a commercial fishing boat before I did that. And uh, I was sitting out there one time where a boat broke down and we're floating, bobbing around and listening to Jimmy Buffett. You know, I, was, I see this Navy boat go by and I, all these guys are hooting and hollering. I thought, I'll just do that. I'll go do that. <laughs> Maybe their boat won't break down. So, uh, I, I ended up joining the Navy and uh, one of the best experiences I ever had, you know, the, the, uh, I call them brothers and sisters, but, you know, it's probably the strongest vice of conformity that I've ever done, but it's probably the most significant impact on helping me see another side of things or another perspective. So uh, in doing that, it kind of led me to what I do today. And so tell me a little bit about the American Mustang School. How did you get into horsemanship and kind of post-military? What was your path uh, in that direction? 
Well, at five years old, my parents divorced and that was pretty traumatic for me. So uh, I sought refuge in horses at my grandparents' farm. And uh, from about age, as far as I can remember, six to 14, I was with, uh, I was with horses. Uh, every summer, every weekend I could. And uh, it was just a, a coping mechanism that I would, you know, use to to deal with the things that that happen at five years old when your parents divorce and then you're, you know, you don't really get a choice in that. You're kind of thrown into a, uh, I guess, a survival mode or a uh, uh, develop a technique or a skill to to think for yourself. It's kind of like, wow, man, this this just got real. So the, the two people I love the most are separated and there's two new people and uh, I didn't get a choice in this. So uh, horses just kind of balanced the world for me. Like really nonverbal communication was something I, I just really tapped into. And uh, the silence, but the engagement was uh, something I needed to, to cope with all the things that seemed to be wrong with the world. Uh, fast forward to joining the Navy, I, I actually got to, uh, I was stationed in a place in California that had a stable on the base. So I uh, got to train horses for, uh, you know, sailors' wives mostly, you know, these unruly wild horses. Uh, I had a knack, so I, I started helping them with those. And and then again, it, I got reminded like, wow, okay, yeah, I got, there's something here. I got something with this. Um, there was an experience in ninth grade uh, future farmers of America. I went to a few different schools and high school, Oklahoma and Texas, bouncing back and forth from my parents, you know, my mom and dad. And uh, in, in East Texas, I went to a school that uh, had a future farmers of America program. And they, they asked if anybody had horse experience, they were taking some horses to a handicap school and uh, let those children ride the horses. And without going into too much detail, I, I, my hand shot up. That was the guy I'm going, I want to do that. So that was kind of the time I tripped over this truth that I saw of what horses could really do for people. Um, when we put a handicapped child up on the, on a horse, you know, that is my, this child's my age bound to a wheelchair, um, got up on that horse and we're leading him around and man, his facial expressions, the nonverbal communication that was coming off that, that child, you know, picked up on it but more so the the verbal he said man i have legs i can move around and i was like yeah you can and uh it was just an amazing experience that that i you know i stuck with me for for years and years and i i kind of knew then i will do something like this for people one day I, I will do something with horses that will show them a new perspective on life to where whatever situation they're in, they, they can have information to make another choice. And uh, that leads me to what we're doing today. But uh, along the road, uh, it's kind of interesting how life takes us. Uh, I attracted certain people, I attracted certain things, and, and then it's just kind of told a story or gave me information that I would use you know, later in life. So one of the single most pieces of information that I share with people today is awareness. It's, it's kind of a, a technique of doing things that will gain a life skill everybody needs, and that's an awareness. Uh, horses help us develop that very quickly, and uh, it's, it's not forced and it's not taken done the right way. 
Hey everyone, I have a new 50% off promo code for you. It is CYSTP50 at factormeals.com. Factor sent me a bunch of no prep meals that I really enjoyed for my lunch. The Factor meals were a perfect solution for me for fast premium options with no cooking required. I strongly recommend giving them a try and I have a 50% off promo code if you do. Factor meals taste great and are no prep, no mess. So they're ready to heat and eat with no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I also really enjoyed the wellness shots. Take advantage of this 50% off. Head to factormeals.com slash CYSTP50 and use code CYSTP50 to get 50% off. That's code CYSTP50 at factormeals.com slash CYSTP50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Got you. And so before you started the American Mustang School, you were working with horses in a little bit of a different way? Yeah, the uh, the way. OK, so there's horsemanship and that word's thrown around. That's the horse human relationship. It's thrown around a lot, but it's not really explored into the advanced intricacies that that I I try to do, uh, and, and here's why, you know, tradition, uh, traditional practices, you know, equipment, um, the mindset of people, it's, it's inhibiting in a lot of ways in developing a willing partner in the horse to help or reveal things to us that I can't train them to do. And uh, any living organism doesn't want to be or it understands pain. It doesn't want to be obstructed. It doesn't want to be irritated. Uh, so in finding that out, I developed a relationship with wild Mustang horses that, you know, they're born in the wild. They're the second they hit the ground, their mother teaches them think to survive. You have to be aware of what's going on. You know, they may poke their nose on a cactus once or twice, but they're probably not going to do it three times. So those five senses are sharp. They're developed. They don't do anything to hurt their five senses. Um, they abide in laws of nature and the strongest law of nature is self-preservation. So anything that obstructs that or creates some sort of aversion or irritation or, or, um, you know, threatens that they're, they're going to rebel. They're going to definitely rebel from that. So in inviting a wild horse into the human element, I realized very quickly that I got to abide in the same laws of nature that they do if I expect this to flourish or grow and develop into something that I can um, I can benefit from, you know. And then I realized very quickly that if I do that, they'll reveal things to me I couldn't train them to do. And then once I got them on my team, they'll help me do for others that I could never do without them. And they'll reveal things to those people that I could not train that horse to do. Uh, so in a nutshell, 
American Mustang School just threw all the traditional practices in the trash. We don't use a metal bit in our horse's mouth to force them to submit with pain or fear of pain. We don't use spurs to uh, giggle them in the belly. We don't use whips to, uh, you know, whip on them. And uh, those those things just in that created a whole new pathway of gaining information. So I developed uh, a unique interactive system, which is five levels of horsemanship. A person can just jump into from any walk of life uh, and understand it, implement it in the first two hours of exposure to a horse. So that's what American Mustang School is, is really about, uh, helping a person think and do things to become better. Uh, doesn't really have to be defined in any specifics, but we did a camp for children with cancer for six years in Colorado, and I got to learn from children how to deal with horses. And then I got to learn, you know, what my horses could do that I couldn't train them to do for children. Uh, we did a, an at-risk program for Indian reservation children that were at risk for suicide. I got to witness things those children, you know, 13, 14-year-old children could do that I couldn't. And then I, I quickly made changes in myself and started doing them. And I, I realized very quickly that uh, when we don't force it or try to take it, it's it's willingly, we, we're actually attracting it and it's willingly available. It's it's like a free gift. Uh, and what I'm speaking about is a wild Mustang that's that's been traumatized. These kids were petting them when I hadn't even got to touch them yet. So it's like, wow, man, how, how did you guys do that? So I just learn from the best, you know, children and horses, uh, no, no underlying uh, baggage. And uh, it is a beautiful thing to, to do and to witness. So I implemented that into these five levels I'm talking about here at American Mustang School. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And through working with horses, you actually saw um, mental health changes in people. And so you actually found that there was a suicide prevention effect through working with horses. Oh yeah, man. That's, that's one of the most beautiful experiences I've got to witness in, in my practice of horsemanship. The, um, the people that come here, American Mustang school, they're, they're selfless servants to humanity, man. They are the most beautiful souls you'll ever meet. They, uh, they will put their life on the line for the betterment of the community, man, the, the whole. And horses have the ability the same way because they're in a herd mentality. You know, they, they, they survive uh, 
by through millennium by understanding the importance of oneness. Uh, each horse may have a unique gift or skill. Uh, one may be vulnerable. You know, he'll go through the creek to get to the grass when the others are not sure. And he earns the right to be the leader, but he, he cares more about the herd than being the leader. Uh, it's just the whole herd dynamic is so beautiful, and especially when it crosses over into our, our people that come here, uh, because that, that, that element of thinking and doing and becoming, raising that awareness that there's uh, information out there to make other choices, and then utilizing it to enrich your life, enrich the lives around you. Um, it's a win-win for everyone. So there's never any, you know, any doubts. It's, it's so true and it's so honest. People just would not really want to make another choice. They, they, they know it's real. And interacting with a wild Mustang has been the most real thing I've ever got to do. And that's the feedback I get from, from everybody else too, uh, because there's non-verbal communication there. So words slow things down. There, there's, there's a element to interaction with a horse or a Mustang that's acutely aware of their surroundings. I mean, pays attention so, so in depth, the focus is unreal, which causes us to increase our focus, you know? So we have to develop the same skills or techniques that these horses have to, to develop the skills uh, that these horses have. And they're like the best teacher because they're non-judgmental. They don't care if we're a two-star general. They don't care if we're private. They don't, they don't care for rich. They don't care for black, white. They, they don't even care. But what they do care about is how much we care about them. And the only way to prove it to them is we got to care more about ourselves and present that to them, observe the feedback from them, make changes and do it again. We get into what's called a corrective feedback loop. And that works so well with the horse we develop that technique we have that skill away from the horse so in any situation that would arise the mind and body have connected in ways that through experiential learning in ways that i'm not sure you could get it by reading a self-help book because I've, I've read quite a few since i wrote my book and everything i read is yeah we practice that with horsemanship and um, experiential learning seems to be the key uh, to the successes of suicide prevention, because we cause a gap in those dominant thought patterns, those repetitive thought patterns that a person doesn't want. So whenever that happens, you know, the horse is there. He, he's, he's never, he never drifts in and out of the now. So he's there. So when a person drifts out of that focus or that feedback loop, you know, it starts to become intermittent or it just stops. The horse is right there to do something subtly or obvious to bring us back. And, and then we're not as judgmental on ourselves. We're not like, oh, I was thinking these horrible trash garbage thoughts. No, it's just an awareness. And that's all it is. It's an awareness of what you're thinking and what that affects your emotion and what that affects your attitude and what that affects your action. <clears throat> and then in wash, rinse, repeating that through law of repetition, you develop an understanding like, I want to think this, I want to feel this, I want my attitude to be this, I want my action to be that. So when I present it to the horse, I get instant feedback. If it's desirable, I'll keep it. If it's not, I'll make changes and present again. So going through that, you develop it over time and you can do it away from the horse.
when you started your school, did it start as a place to teach people how to work with horses and then evolve into a place that helps people with mental health or is it the other way around? Well, it's probably a little of both, but, but more accurate would be I, uh, started a business when I got out of the Navy and, uh, I was very successful at it. I grew it very big, very fast. Um, I, I talk about that in my book. So, you know, I won't go too in depth on that, but I, I got to sell it. I did it for about seven, eight years and I was able to sell it. And was, I made that, in my the mind horse, that, was that in the horse business as well? No, I, I developed a, a catastrophe cleanup business and carpet cleaning business and, you know, fire, water damage, hurricane cleanup, those type things. And uh, it, it was a 24 hour emergency service business. So it was very stressful, you know, two o'clock in the morning calls, uh, especially when when a hurricane would hit Texas and flood everything where we were, you know, I, on one street, I had 18 houses flooded. So you can imagine, you know, 20,000 people in a town times three towns and it is just busy. So it, it got overwhelming and I had to realize very quickly, like I'm either going to have to sell this or I'm going to have to expand it and delegate, which um, delegating what I did wasn't really what I wanted to do. Uh, I kind of burn out on it. Like this isn't fulfilling and, you know, I'm helping people, but they're not happy when I'm there. So you know, Hannibal Bill on top of all the stuff that's going on, they really don't like it. So I thought, man, I want to do something that I love to do. And people are going to be smiling when they pay me for doing it. So I started a trail ride business in the mountains of Colorado. And um, I didn't have a whole lot of money. So I had to acquire horses and a lot of them were free. And I don't know if you know much about free horses, but they're, they're never free. You know, I got the worst of the worst, you know, biters, buckers, bolters, kickers, you name it. And uh, that's what I got. And then I had to put green tourists on their backs and take them around the mountains. So, you know, I wanted to do that safely and effectively and efficiently to, to earn an income, but also keep my people safe so that the business could, could thrive. And it did. But uh, and it did. So what what happened was uh, I got really good at training horses and uh I counted like 48 different horses in the first year I started the business. So it was like really good. And I, I developed this string of horses and I started a trail ride business where I take people to get away from the city life or whatever they were doing, you know, vacation. We shot guns, we, we rode horses, took them hunting, fishing, you name it. In the mountains of Colorado, we did it with horses. And, but I realized very quickly, man, there's something therapeutic about these horses that I, I, I want to discover more. I want to go deeper. And that's what led me to do that camp with the children for six years. Uh, the, they had, you know, recovering from cancer and uh, <clears throat> doing that, do the other program with the, the children. So then that kind of got me thinking even more like, well, what else? How deep, how much deeper can we go with this? So I really started studying mental health and what the problems were in America and making some connections that, man, I could really help with, you know, the, the disconnections really of people disconnecting in, in their own mind, in their, their own thoughts, their own actions, you know, kind of going on autopilot or we call it a sleep maybe, 
you know, putting the key in the ignition, driving to a job they hate, you know, just the, the mundane grind of the American dream, I guess you call it. But, um, you know, go to school, get education, get a job, retire, whatever. I, I just think there's more to life than that. So I wanted to really discover the depths or the advanced intricacies of horsemanship, horse-human relationship, and what could be the what could be the benefits? You know, what could be the reconnection piece in that? And uh, I designed American Mustang School to do just that. And for the past three years, I moved here four and a half years ago. So the past three years, I really just put that under a microscope with the best people on the planet and figured out that, wow, this will work for anybody across the board. And I'm wondering, what do you think is so therapeutic about it? Is it like connecting with nature or is it sort of since you're working with such a powerful animal, it kind of forces you to be in the moment and kind of out of any thoughts? Or what do you think really is the key to making it working with the Mustangs so therapeutic? It's, it's, you're touching on it. It's, it's that. Uh, nature's, we're nature. Uh, the deepest memory in our DNA resonates with nature. You know, the harmony and balance of nature or harmony just being the agreement, the agreement with nature. The Mustang, he operates there. That's, that's where he is. So we have to realize the differences or how far apart we are. And then we, we've got to come to them. And it's us that has to make the, the decision. And Whenever I figured out how, you know, by designing these five levels of an inter interactive system, uh, that became clear that we have free will. We have free will to drift in and out of laws of nature. And uh, we can almost defy them in some, some regards. And, you know, the penalty for that is death. And the horse knows that. Mustang knows that. He's not going to do things that jeopardize himself. Strongest law of nature, self-preservation. Uh, we, on the other hand, we, we do, or, or I have. I'll speak for myself. I have. You know, I've, I've drove too fast um, with no headlights in the middle of the night down the highway just to, for fun, you know, but that's just a dumb thing to do. A horse is never going to do that. You know, he, he's not capable of doing that anyways. He abides by these laws that cause him to agree or harmonize with nature. So when we're on his back, we start breaking too many of those. He, he, he's a thousand pound muscle. He, he can get you off of his back. No problem. On the other hand, you, you harmonize with those. He has the option to keep you on when you're going to fall off. So, you know, that, that guy could tell you story after story about that, but I've been in the mountains alone, uh, scouting for hunting areas. Don't know where I'm at. Uh, I'm on a cliff with a horse. I'm about to come off. And he just uh, takes me like a rucksack and centers me and keeps me going. And I literally thank him, not verbally, but I'm like, I know you could have you not done that. So thank you. So the, the piece that is probably the most effective is this is a level of consciousness that most people could never experience. Maybe they get glimpses of it, but they could never experience it 
in an extended period of time. So like when we get to level five, that's, that's called real world focused riding. And what that is, is a, a determined amount of time to engage in that feedback loop in nature with the horse and you understanding there's outside influences that may interrupt that. However, having the ability to be aware of them and maintain that. So that, that exercise is a muscle that a lot of people don't even know they have for one. And then when they do find out, you know, through some self-help book or whatever, they don't really know how to exercise it. They don't, where do I practice it? Well, the wild Mustang horse that is set up this way uh, will openly teach you and realizes what you're doing. They're not, they're not dumb. They're highly intelligent. When you come to them with truth and honesty, like, look, man, I want to present to you me and I want you to give me feedback that I can make changes and present to you a better version each time. So a circular feedback loop gets established. And if it's harmonizing, you'll know it. If it's not, you'll know it. It's not good or bad. It's an awareness. And through interaction, this, this I like to call it an interactive system, a lot of other things that you didn't know come to light. You know, a lot of things you thought you knew uh, come to light and, and a lot of things you thought you needed to know go away. It's things become important that you didn't think were and things become less important that you thought were. Uh, it's an interesting piece to it. Uh, you make it, you make it sound, a podcast. You, you make it sound, it, it sounds like the horses want to work with us. Yeah, why, because, why do you think that is? Yeah, because here, check this out. Every living organism wants to serve, even from the lowest life form, you know, the carrot, it wants to serve. So the horse understands the grass. We'll just use grass in this for horses. The horse understands how valuable that grass is because it sustains his life. But the, the grass is like, I want to serve. I'm a low life form, but I want to be a part of this. So that all of those things in nature, harmonizing, that's the development. That's the growth. That's the understanding that's the you know that's the towel that's that's the that's the happening it's it's i think one this of is I, th I think this is something that humans sometimes forget because a lot of my guests come on and it's a very um universal theme that everyone agrees that being of service and helping others um is one of the best feelings that you can get yeah well, the horse is just fine out there on his own eating grass and, and fertilizing and doing what he does. So when you open, you know, and I call it when I invite them into the human element and I open myself to them to let them know, here, here's why I'm asking you to join me. They become an equal. They become a, a teammate. They become a, a soulmate, you know, a spiritual guide. They understand what you are after because it's true and honest. It's not, you're trying to take something from them. You're not trying to force them to do anything. When they see what you're trying to become, they step up and, and they go, oh, okay, I can help develop you. I, I get it. I, I get to serve here. And it's, it's a rewarding experience for them because it's enrichment. It, it's, you know, I'll put it this way. They could stand out there and just swap flies or they can help people become better. And Whenever it's presented to them in that way, what do you think they'd choose? <laughs> so they're like, 
a curious animal. They're, and they're they and they know that they're helping us. Yeah, they know. They share the same four things I talk about in my book, which we the only thing we can control are those four things. And that's thought and emotion, attitude and action. It's an inner pathway of communication, which is thought and emotion. And the horse shares that. He has thoughts and emotions. And then an outward pathway of communication, which is attitude and action. He shares those two. He, everything in a horse you can find in a human except one thing. And this is just up to this date that I've researched and found. Maybe someone out there is smarter and go, oh, wait, wait, there's two things. But the one thing that I've found, and that's our divine mind. That's our mind, our ability to create, imagine. Uh, that The horse doesn't really need to do that. He, he's programmed pretty much by nature to, to do what he does. However, we can imagine and create and invite the horse in present ourselves to them and get real accurate, true and honest feedback, and then perceive that information, make changes and develop our ability to control those four things, thought, emotion, internal pathway, attitude, action, external pathway. And once we engage in that in the feedback loop, we can, we can be aware of what our thoughts are. We can be aware of what that thought causes in the emotion and then downstream, does it affect the attitude and then outwardly the action? So a wild horse non-verbally watches that in everything, in each other. So they read intention. You know, the lion can walk by and that horse is going to observe. And if the thoughts, emotions, attitude, action, you know, all those forms of communication are, are lining up with the intention of he's just passing through, well, we'll stay here and we'll eat. You know, you see it in zebras and lions. But it's if it's the intention of, well, I'm going to I'm going to eat you. The horse picks up on that signal that that was transmitted from that lion. And, and then he makes a choice. You know, he either becomes food or he runs away. So humans can do this. It's not hard. We can read each other nonverbally in a picosecond of time and know, you know, a lot of things about someone else before words are ever exchanged. Words are slow. I mean, when I teach horsemanship, I have to stop the horse, disengage from the horse mentally to explain to somebody in words that are so slow and then go back to the horse to do what we do. And people agree, like when we're level five, they've got their own horse. I can't do their pushups for them. They're doing their own engagement. They're, they're paying attention to what they're thinking, feeling, attitude, and action. And engaging with that horse that, that's separate from me. I, I'm there to facilitate it. I'm there to observe and, and give guidance as needed. Um, so that's what we are when we're on the horse. We're an observer and a guide. We'll guide what we want. We go where we want. But we observe and we make changes and guide again. So we do that with ourselves when we're away from the horse. So it's it's a really beautiful thing that that transpires because it's it's actually transformation. And in that transformation, uh, new techniques, new skills are developed that are unique to the individual. You know, the peripheral benefits of each individual are so different. I mean, people sleeping better at night, someone quits smoking, someone stops drinking, someone gets back with their wife at the, at the brink of a, a divorce. You know, all these things that, that go on in life all come right back to horsemanship, horse-human relationships, the quickest, easiest way to practice self-help books, you know, in a nutshell. Do, when you get a new client, are most people coming to you 
for transformation and mental health and self-help or are they coming just because they want to learn how to ride a horse and they end up getting these things as a side effect man that's happened everything you just said has happened but when i sit when you ask most people i would say the horses are the attraction without the promotion for you know like a mental health piece so like if a psychologist brings a person here it's it's probably more attraction without promotion of the mental health piece it's more there's an underlying probably an underlying um, understanding that that's what it is but it's not pitched that way it's more like look check out these horses and um you know I'm not real sure how it's pitched from a psychologist standpoint, man. I, I just try not to uh, box this in or label it but, with four um, walls of therapy. So it's it's kind of like, I guess, I guess it would probably be pitched as something like mental health through the practice of horses, you know, something of that I, nature. Equine therapy, maybe. I know that you don't really personally call it therapy, but you have um, psychologists that recommend patients to you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I've, I have a few psychologists in the area that will send people here. And then I have one in particular that will come here with, with their, their, uh, we'll call them patients with their people. And uh, it's, it's such a cool thing because barriers drop, you know, and this is feedback from a psychologist barriers drop that were there. And, um, because it's tough to talk to another human. I mean, all my thoughts about coming on this podcast are, are that. And then when it comes out in words, it's like, man, that's not quite how I thought it, but you know, it's, it's coming out. So here we are. And so with horses, it's so unobstructed it's so pure it's it's such an energy that's so recognizable that it's just easy so a psychologist will tell me man i've made more breakthrough in this limited amount limited amount of time that we've been here with the horses that it would take me months to do uh, in four walls of a therapeutic session because people relate to i guess we call it thinking and association of things you know, when a, when a horse uses, when I use a bridle on my horse, that bridle has never hurt him. He's not going to think in association of pain when I grab that bridle, show it to him and go put it on his head so that I can basically use it as an extension of my arm to guide the horse in the direction we want to go. So uh, without getting too into how it works, I, I use pressure. You know, like if I was to take my hand and just apply pressure to the right side of the horse's face and ask them with pressure to go to the left, when they go away from that pressure, the pressure releases. So it's a pressure, question, release, thank you. In using that uh, bridle, thinking in association of that, that, it never enters their mind for a restriction. You know, if a horse is thinking in association of something and it, they think, oh, that's going to hurt me, there's the restriction. Restriction leads to tensions in the body. Tensions in the body tell the brain, hey, this isn't good. You know, brain monitoring body systems. You know, your, your breathing gets short and shallow. Your, your blood pressure or your heart rate picks up. 
body brains monitoring the body. So I've got to remove any kind of restrictions in the mind that would cause tensions in the body of the wild Mustang. So the psychologist does that too, but with the horse, they can do it so much faster. It's, it's just a, a conduit for like asking this horse to do something for us, for other people that we don't have necessarily the most efficient, effective way of doing it. So when the horse can do that, allow a person to free up restrictions in their mind, like uncertainty or doubt, fear, fear is like a, the most common denominator in every person that comes here. There's an underlying element of some artificial barrier of fear. Horses will drop that from them so fast. I love that piece. Uh, but the fear of being vulnerable. And, and then when they understand like, wow, this horse is so strong, yet he's he was does not mind being vulnerable. Um, they're so strong yet so gentle. They're they're so willing, and uh, there's a kindness to them that just allows a person to drop those restrictions in their mind, and allows those tensions in the body to release and relax. So when that happens, their brain does something consciously, but mostly, probably unconsciously, subconsciously, we could call it that frees up the willingness to face their fear, face their, their doubts, face their insecurities and uh, overcome them. Because then they realize very quickly, like, wow, those were artificial. I, I created those. They were restricting my flow of the feedback loop and uh, I don't need them. So they're actually harder to try to hang on to because they're getting in my way now than it is to just let them go. And then we're moving forward so much more efficiently and effectively to do whatever it is we want to do. That's why, you know, the individuals that come out here, they probably have $10 million in training in them. You know, they're, they're an asset. They're not a liability, but this whenever is, this is uh, most, this is mostly military guys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they operate in a, such a high, we'll call it frequency, but they're high functioning. So they've, they, when that starts to debilitate, that scares them. That, that really scares them. They really get hung up on it, man. They get wrapped up or tripped up, we'll call it. But when you can free that and then they can realize, okay, I got this. They come back stronger, better, faster, more effective, more efficient. And uh, it, it's actually... The transformation is just amazing uh, to see that. And is how did a uh, is it true that a DOD psychologist found you and started bringing a lot of um, military vets to you for that transformation? How, how did he find you? Okay, I did a uh, when I first got here. I really didn't specifically know. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna cater to special forces. I'm gonna cater the most elite military personnel on the planet. I didn't know that. I, my goal was veterans. Anybody, come on, come on. Still is. But it kind of plinko game down into what, what I got to do for the last three years. I believe it was October 10th, 2019. I did an open clinic to kind of show, hey, here's what we do. 100 people came, a lot of military, in uniform, out of uniform, uh, it was kind of interesting how that all kind of came into play, but 
And I really don't know exactly how that did, but uh, there happened to be a psychologist in, in the group. And um, she, she was like, just amazed at what we were doing. And it lined up with what she had known in the past based on her experiences with horses. And that our, our method or our way was going to work for her people. There's a lot of other, and I don't even call them competition because they don't do what I do, but there's a lot of other, what they would describe as a competitor doing what we do, but not even close. You know, it's like a glorified petting zoo. You know, it's on the ground. You go there, you'd lead a horse around. There's a note card on the fence. It has a word on it, you know, love, practice love. And, you know, whatever. It's it's probably effective for something, for someone. But our guys, they're not they're not into that. They're not going to do that. They, they've got to be challenged. They've got to be, they've got to see a starting point and a reason to do it, to get to an advanced level of it and understand what they're doing it for, why they're doing it. You know, they, they just, you can't blow smoke up these guys. You know, you just can't do it. it it's, they're going to see it for what it is. And if it's true and honest, they're in. If it's not, they're out. I've had a hundred percent success rate because the horses are true. They're honest. And they present and they get nanosecond, instant nanosecond feedback. And then, and then it's on them. You know, I'm out of the picture. Psychologist is out of the picture. And they're like, okay, so then I got control of this. I, I do this. Yes, you do this. So my five levels are explained in my book. And they're kind of long and drawn out as far as if we wanted to try to go through this in, in the podcast. But in a nutshell, five levels of horsemanship I teach. The very first level is grooming for mindset. You're literally going to pick up a brush. You're going to start grooming this horse, but you're going to, you're going to present to that horse right then and there, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what your attitude is, what your actions are. Are you brushing that horse too fast? He's going to let you know. Then you got to think, well, I want a, I want a calm, quiet presentation, uh, or I want a loud, fast presentation. I mean, pick one. It doesn't no, there's no right or wrong. This is a safe place to make a mistake. I've already taken all the, the things out that are that are considered bad or, or disruptive in what we're trying to do. So present to the horse, observe the feedback, make changes. So we start level one, grooming for mindset. And then that's essentially what we got to do. And, and then I teach them, look, do this before you get your feet out of bed onto the ground. You know, you're gonna start thinking, what do I want to think? What do I want to present to the world? Do I want one of two things? Do I want to complain about something today or do I want to compliment something today? And, and then, you know, they'll, they'll create their own. But in a nutshell, level one, grooming for mindset. That's where it begins because whatever we think and do, that's what we become. Whatever that horse is thinking and doing, that's what he becomes. So if we want this horse to become something manageable, willing, we've got to present that. So that's it. Level one, grooming for mindset. We could dive deep on that, but. Level two, established communication. So I've developed a series of five questions. I call it a five-part series. It's where we mechanically ask a horse questions and they are to, to back away from us, to move to the left in a circle around us, to move to the right in a circle around us, to come forward back to us and to stop and ground tie, which is drop the rope on the ground and ask them to just stand with me and breathe. Let's just observe each other. It's a stop and starting point. It's a mantra. It's a uh, way to get a deeper understanding of the individual horse and the horse to get a deeper understanding of you. 
But in that, you actually get a deeper understanding of yourself because you got to got to pay attention to this and what you're presenting to the horse that's sitting there with eyes, ears, all the five senses, and he's acutely aware of what you're doing. I mean, when I tell somebody to take a deep breath and relax their shoulders, he's going to watch your shoulders drop those millimeters, and he logged it into his notes. He's like, okay, that guy dropped his shoulders, and it just got nice, you know, got better. The person's going to do that through law of repetition is going to realize very quickly, man, I need to do this away from the horse. So anyway, getting back to level two, established communication. You have to be able to ask the horse questions. You can't just like English talk like, hey, will you back up? You know, you got to ask them with a mechanical, physical way. And that's with a, a rope attached to the horse and it's soft, light pressure. We're going to wiggle the rope and the horse is going to feel the pressure and understand to move away. That gives us a a lot of information, but it, it allows us to know where we're most comfortable with that horse. Is it two feet, five feet, whatever, or vice versa? Is the horse more comfortable back here away from me? Because I'll I'll show them how to read a horse non-verbally. A horse will take a deep breath and lick his lips and, and chew with his mouth when he releases tension in his body. And then I say, you do it too. Anytime they do it, you do it. And literally take a deep breath and drop your shoulders and relax. You can yawn and lick and chew if you want, but you don't have to. It's just kind of one of those things where we're trying to present something, which is a human being to the horse. We have total control of this human being. We don't have any control of that thousand pound Mustang. Most people will use that word. I got to control this horse. I'm here to tell you, you cannot do it. You can control yourself and present the most efficient, effective way to communicate to him and ask him questions and get the desired responses and feedback and results, but you cannot control him. There's no such thing as controlling a wild horse. It's, it's impossible, I, I promise, and, and I can prove it. But anyway, trained th I've trained hundreds of them and thousands of people, and, and I've never seen anybody be able to prove to me they can go control that wild horse. So level three, we advance from the ground to their back. You practice everything from level one and two, move up to their back. Now you're going to mechanically ask them questions. Are you going to rip their face off because you're strong and you got arms like a python? Or are you going to ask like a five-year-old strength of a child, you know, strength of a five-year-old child with fingertip pressure and ask them to move to the right, move to the left. And then once you develop a a uh, muscle memory, you can, you can get faster and faster and faster and more effective and efficient. So the horse is there to kind of give you, regulate yourself. You know, have I been coming off top rung at people? You know, do I get triggered really fast at my wife because I've been functioning at a high rate of thinking and doing, and then, you know, she says one thing and it doesn't even, it shouldn't even matter in, in the regard of how I respond. Uh, you know, it, it, it just lets a person realize, wow, I am not talking to my wife with fingertip pressure like I talked to the horse. And here's the results as to why. So practicing with a horse develops us to understand how we are presenting to other people, whether it's a subordinate, a spouse, a daughter, a, a, a supervisor, a, a teammate, a whatever. Now, we're not coddling Mustangs. We're going to ask them soft, quiet questions, but I will say we will rise to the energy level needed to, to present what we expect. So 
you know, you pick up with fingertips and a horse is like, no, I'm going this way. Well, then you increase the intensity of your question to be more clear and deliberate in the response. And maybe you apply a left leg since you have one hanging there that pushes on his body to ask him to go to that direction. And then you start over again with as minimal question as you can to get the desired response using less energy so that you're refreshed after your session rather than fatigued. So there's a there's a delicate art to developing oneself to communicate efficiently and effectively with a once wild Mustang horse. And then through law of repetition, you, you gain that ability or that skill. And then it transfers out into real world. So level four stems off of level three, which is we're going to accomplish some obstacles or overcome some obstacles. Literally, we got five obstacles. We're going to guide this horse through and we're going to present to them what we expect in doing that. So level one transfers to level two, bring everything forward to level three, bring level three. We're on their back. Now we know how to steer the horse, essentially move in unity together. We're going to accomplish small tasks of obstacles in level four, preparation for level five. Level five is real world focused riding. And that's where we are pretty confident that we can communicate to this horse to go in any direction, maintain the feedback loop, regardless of outside influences. So, you know, something, a gunshot goes off. You know, I teach pack animal mobility course for, for students uh, at the Q course. So it's kind of like when, when, uh, when the horse registers that something happened, you've got to ask him questions that you know he knows the answers to, to draw him back to you, to maintain this feedback loop between you and the horse. So it's kind of like outside influences are going to happen, but if you've got yourself in control, like you're monitoring your thoughts, emotions, attitude, action, and you're repetitively presenting that as needed when you're the guide and then the observer, you're watching for feedback, making changes, guide again. Outside influences, riding a horse anywhere that you want to go will have little to no effect on that feedback loop. In other words, I can get on a horse, establish the feedback loop. Nowadays with me and my horse, it's probably 30 seconds, we're good. Take off riding for a six hour ride through town. We can go by a highway. I mean, you're gonna see everything you can imagine in this little town that I live by. And I live out in the country, but I can be to town, it's a four mile ride. So I can be to town in four miles. It's, it's literally, Every outside influence that you could think of, dog barking, lawnmower, squirrel in the tree, trash truck, you name it. You go jog through a neighborhood, you're going to see a lot of outside influences. The, the thing about it is the horse is going to see that too, but they're going to look to you for guidance. And if you, and it's generally subtle. So if you're there to ask them a question, you know, they know the answer to just a little subtle one, like, we're walking in a straight line, but there's a pine cone in the ground and he's, we're obviously going to go to the left of it. Let me just ask you a subtle question to go to the right of it. I just reestablished that feedback loop, maintain 100% engagement. So outside influences have little to no effect on, on our relationship or our mission on ourselves, uh, moving through earth uh, efficiently and effectively. So... That's amazing. When, when you work with a, a client, you, how long do you, do you, how long does it take to do these five levels with someone? Is there yeah, a set amount point. of time or is it person to person? 
Well, what I love about what I get to do, I'm not bound by the parameters of medical whatever. So I get to, I get to tailor my care, level of care, level of service to the individual specific needs. And I can go as fast as slow. I can go as in-depth or, or whatever. And it's, it's their call. I mean, they literally like, if they're a sponge and want to go and, and, and they're, I never try to teach faster than they're capable of learning, but if they are, man, I'm going. And that's why I love this group of people because they're fast learners, man. And we can go from a two hour assessment. We can go from level one to three in that, no problem. When they come back for the next hour or two hour session, we're already to level five pretty quick because for one, I've got a great team of horses that I calibrated to do exactly what we're doing. And for two, you know, these, these types, these individuals, they come here, they're, they're adaptable too. So the horse is very adaptable. They're very adaptable. So it's just like this beautiful merger of two beautiful beings that can just really enrich each other. And, and there's a benefit. So they both are willing. So, so when that happens, it's about 15 to 17 hours. I see total transformation. So two hours a week up into the 15 hour mark, 17 hour mark. If a person has any kind of dark thought, it's, it's gone. <laughs> they're managing it really well. Uh, their, their performance levels come up there. Everything increases, uh, except the heart rate. It, it, we monitor that and that decreases. So it's, it's really interesting. You're, uh, monitor, you're monitoring how, the heart rate too. Yeah. 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 They take a, we take a heart reading, uh, before we start and after we finish. And it's always down and it's always there. And they'll, they'll verbally say, man, some of them, like, they look like we just hit them up with some kind of drug or something. They'll, they'll be getting their, their monitoring reading. They're like, man, I just feel like I'm so relaxed. I just feel so good. I'm refreshed. So, <laughs> and they, they, so you, it's, a, you, it's addictive. You take people that say have like maybe PTSD or depression or something like that, and you take them through these five levels and you're seeing total transformation from this? Absolutely. See, I, I started with those horses that were free and they were labeled. They were labeled buckers, biters, bolters, kickers, untrainable, crazy, whatever. Well, I presented something true and honest to them and those labels fell away. So the same with people. They may come in here with some preconceived underlying label that whatever, PTS, we don't even call it D because post-traumatic stress is human, man. That's, that's, that's real. That's not a disorder. I, I just think that, but, you know, horses get trauma, they'll hold it. And they're thinking in association of things, you know, I, I got a horse that was, he was beat with a claw hammer, lived in a junkyard. Uh, worst of the worst case you could probably imagine. I rescued him out of there and it's like, he doesn't like his ears touched, but he'll let you, but there's some trauma there. You know, it's, it, I had it explained to me like this from a POW. He's like, man, I still feel those bindings on my hands. But when someone grabs me by the wrist, I jerk away and I, it doesn't hurt, but it's there. It, it, it bothers me. And, and I thought about that and I thought, man, thinking an association of things is so real. It can be used positively, you know, to, to help people. And the trauma, I, I'm no psychologist, I'm no advanced medical person, but trauma is real. I see it in horses, I see it in people, but it's manageable. It's, you can heal from it. That horse, I have a bridle that I designed 
and it's a humane bridle. It doesn't have a bit. It goes in their mouth to force compliance through pain. It's, a, it's an asking device. Pressure is a question. Release of the pressure is a, a, a thank you. And I designed it to where it'll come apart so it'll fit over long-eared mules in the outfitting business. But I take it apart for him and I just put it over his ears and he, he's cool with that. But if I try to slip it over his ears, he, 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 he panics. I mean, not to the point where he's going to do anything, you know, to hurt himself or me, but he, he backs up and is like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And, and I don't want to cause those restrictive thoughts or to, to recur. So I just adapt to that particular horse and I'll just take that bridle apart, put it over his ears and he just doesn't do anything. He's like, okay, you didn't, you didn't cross a line. So I don't want his thoughts to go to something thinking in association of whatever trauma he went through before. So I'll adapt to him and make some changes to where it doesn't do that. And, and then through time, I can slip that bridle over him, but when I show other people how to do it, he'll start to do that. No, 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 I don't know. So I just teach them to take it apart, put it on. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of those things. But in people, it's the same thing. You can make different, you can get different information to make different choices. You can make different choices to get different information to, to heal yourself. You take control, you do it and you implement it and you get, you create an interactive system to where you, you develop a whole new coping mechanism to whatever it is. You can adapt to anything and any one, and you can almost bend reality. Jeff, it's like, you're not a victim of any circumstance ever again. You, you are, you're almost creating the circumstance you're in and you have skills and techniques that come straight out of nature from a horse that is the master at survival uh, for millennium. So what better teacher is it to get, you know, I, I'd spend <laughs> days, hours and hours with a wild Mustang horse in the mountains of Colorado, 9,000 feet, 12,000 feet elevation. I'd be out there three days with them by myself. I wouldn't say verbal words for three days. And whenever I went to talk to somebody, I hear my own voice again. It's like, well, this is weird. <laughs> is really weird. I don't know too many people that don't talk for a long time and ever experience that, but it's, uh, it puts a whole new perspective in talking, you know, is it worth breaking the silence for what I have to say that those questions pop up and it's like, man, I only want to contribute things that are worthy of other people needing to hear. Uh, so in horsemanship, I, I talk a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's it's generally about what we're doing. Outside influences really have no effect on it. It's it's a really beautiful thing because that's the gap. You know, a lot of people try to cause a gap in those dominant thought patterns, repetitive thought patterns they don't want. They'll go drink something or you know take a drug, and um, yeah, that's a temporary gap, all right. But you got to keep doing that. We know what happens when you do, and. Um, Horsemanship, man, you keep doing that. You can do that as much as you want, and you're only going to get better. So it sounds like kind of the discipline and the connection to nature are big aspects of uh, kind of what triggers the transformation in people and the healing in people through through doing uh, this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that we all want to 
we all want to create something. And uh, we're taught very young in school how to think, not, not, not really what to think. Maybe it's got that, got that backwards. Maybe we're taught what to think, not how to think. Because when I, when I try to go do something, I, I don't really want an opinion from someone else without me thinking about it first. And then when I get to like a, maybe a crossroad in that, I'll, I'll, I'll outsource. But then I always just go back and do it the way I initially thought anyway, most of the time, especially with horses. Uh, I feel what's real. And, and when I say feel, in horsemanship, it's proper pressure, proper time for a proper response. If you line up those three things away from the horse, then you know it's real. You don't really need to ask anybody. So it's kind of like when you're going through transformation, you can't you can't really force it. You can't really take it. You're you're controlling things you can within, presenting outwardly, and attracting what it is you want. So nature will only allow that to feel, you know, right if you're alignments are right you know the thoughts the emotions the attitude the action having a purpose worthwhile purpose a flexible plan <clears throat> and then taking those steps to do it you know we we have to do our own push-ups you know we we go spiritual on this and the way i explain it or the way i think of it is before we got a soul i mean before our soul got a body uh come together and now you know, where our soul was, it was probably being served. And now our soul comes to a body and our body's like, okay, here's how I can serve. Here's how the soul can serve. So the soul's either going to serve in a way that promotes it or stains it, you know, or, you know, makes it, you know, demotes it. It's kind of like when you align in laws of nature and you implement the practices nature provides us with. Uh, we're the best servant, to, you know, possible and um, go through life. You're, you're, I heard it said this way too. When you come to earth, your soul shatters and you walk through life, piecing it back together. When you serve in a way that aligns with nature, your soul's getting put back together quicker. Uh, when you don't, it, it don't. Uh, you sit in front of a TV all day and do nothing. It, I mean, your soul's, it's not getting to serve. I mean, how's it, how's it serving? So, at the end of life, I kind of want to look back and go, well, I pieced my soul back as best I could and, and serving the best way, most efficient way I could. And you know, the first step was getting myself in order to control myself and then presenting to the world something worthy of attraction, uh, willingness, so that they become better. You know, the benefit of anybody following anybody is, is you know, or it's the benefit of anybody following anybody. There it is. They're not going to follow you if, if there's no benefit. The horse is not. They do what I ask them to do because it benefits them. And that's how I know the servant piece of this life is so important because they're just fine eating grass and uh, living out there in the wild. But when we properly invite them into the human element, I show them like, hey, here, here's what I got my imagination going on. They always show me a better way, by the way but they'll willingly step up and like, let me show you a better way. And then it's like, okay, let me get out of your way and let you do that. Because, you know, I, I'm just a human 
I've got these ideas, but I don't really know how to implement them. Show me how. And then when they do that, it's, it's true. It's honest because I can't train them to do this. You know, I can't train them to go in non-verbally communicate with someone and then pinpoint exactly what that person needs and give it to them. I, I cannot do that. I would love to be able to. I mean, that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? But they do. They know how. Wow. And so if someone wants to work with you, like uh, what are the steps? How, how can they find you? Are you, are you booked or do you have availability? Well, I, I live in a life of peace and tranquility, man. I, I work when the phone rings. So it's kind of like the best way to get me is the website, AmericanMustangSchool.com. I'm on Facebook now and I just started playing around with some online stuff just, I don't even know where it's going to go. You know, I, I started this thing in 2024. I'm going to build something and I'm going to teach it to people and I'm going to show them how to earn from it. And online content I've been pushing. I don't know what I'm doing. And I let people know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it. That's the way I've done my whole life. You know, it's like building a school. I, I don't, I couldn't go somewhere and get training. I mean, no one does this. I had to pioneer it. I had to create it. So I build and I teach it. I actually learn from doing that. And then I earn from it. So anybody that wants to build something in their own life, teach it to other people for benefit, uh, earning something from it, you know, whether it monetarily or, or just promoting themselves to becoming something much better than they are at this moment, that, that's what American Mustang School is. Uh, life coaching, we could call it life coaching through horsemanship. I just changed that on my website this morning. So I haven't really got used to saying that. So it's kind of like adaptation, man. I'm just going to uh, tailor to the needs of whoever comes through that gate. You know, this is a sanctuary and uh, I was called here to do this and I want to fulfill it the best possible way. So AmericanMustangSchool.com, probably the first step. Got you. And did you write a book as well? Yeah, I got it right here. It's probably words are backwards, but it's a horse to guide me. Okay. And when did your book and come out? May of this year of 2023. And uh, I won an award at the Equus Film and Arts Festival in Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, in November. And uh, man, that that was un unexpected uh, because I, I never considered myself a writer. I never read a book cover to cover before I wrote this book. So you know, I'm a highlight reader, you know, and I usually start at the back because I'm too impatient. I want to know what happens. Okay, let me go find out how that happened. It's kind of weird, but uh, in my book, I, I definitely wanted to retain the reader's attention and give them something that is very valuable that they can use in their life. You know, something deep, something that is not run of the mill on the shelf. So I talk about a few things that uh, there's no other book written in the world like it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, spirituality, I talk about. Oh, and uh, I, I've I've kept a certain way from um, for about 20 years now that uh, is based biblically based, but it's not mainstream at all. It's, oh, really? It's, uh, yeah. And I explain that in the book, but it's it's it aligns with anybody and everybody that walks through these gates because it's true and it's honest and uh this is like your personal spirituality that you've kind of worked with for the last 20 years? 
Well, I'll, I'll say yes, but just like in horsemanship, I'm not into traditions. I'm into the truth. So I, I just kind of started at modern mainstream religion, I guess you call it. And I went backwards. I'm like, what were they doing before? What were they doing before? What were they doing before? And I just kept going backwards. And, and then, you know, there's one part in the scripture. It says, prove all things, hold on to what's good. And so I just do that. Anytime I'll come up against something, I'll, I'll prove it. I'm like, well, let's prove it against a 2000 year old writing. Does it stand today from 2000 years ago? Let's do it. If it's new in the last hundred years, well, it probably won't be here in another hundred. So you know, take it for what it's worth. People are doing things out of not critically thinking about it. And it has really no value. And it's almost a distraction in their feedback loop with the nature or the one who spoke all things into existence, who gave us the soul, who, um, you know, is, is allowing us to prove that we can serve you know, I, I don't really want, I don't want a God that serves me. I, I would rather it the other way around. And I don't know where else we're going after this, but if, um, if I can serve, it's like this, if you're hungry and you eat, it feels pretty good. But if you know someone's hungry and you give them food, I think that feels better. So I would rather be that guy, the second, because learning horsemanship, I did it for me. I did. I honest, I was very, I'll be honest about that piece. I, I did this for me and I continue to do it for me because I can't really teach somebody something I don't know anything about. So spirituality is the same thing. I, I did it for me. I apply it to me and it's very adaptable because like in, in labeling groups of people, I fit in with everybody because I, I, I can relate to them in some way. I can adapt to them. Um, just like horses, they're adaptable. Um, we 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 got to understand that we're 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 one in a sense. We all we all share the common wants, needs, and desires. And um, if I can help somebody get theirs, I definitely know that I'm going to get mine. So that that whole full feedback loop. It's, it's on a micro scale, but it's on a macro scale. It, it's, it's one of those things that it, it lines up. Our DNA memory, whatever you want to call it, scientifically knows it, feels it, resonates with it, frequencies harmonize with it. So when you get off that center, you'll know. And uh, horses were where I got to practice it. So, you know, I can tell you over 5,000 conversations I've, I've seen and heard almost anything spiritually you could think of shaman to ayahuasca micro dosing guys. I mean, you name it, you know, long haired, hippie, clean cut, whatever. I, I can talk to them all with the common denominator of horses and uh, just following those principles that I get to create circumstances that are going to be a benefit for both me and whoever were are there. And it's just a beautiful thing. So I share that in my book and go through it, kind of touch on it. I, I this book probably would have been about 10 times thicker if we really went deep on on some of those. But that's why the school's here. You know, if something intrigues someone in the book, come to the school. I also do these online Zoom, you know, life coaching calls. And because uh, because people get stuck, I, I get stuck. I mean, we all get stuck in something. 
And, you know, I go to my 13 year old daughter to edit my little videos together so I can post them in my Facebook group. I mean, she's like, oh, give me that and does it. Cool. I'm not stuck. <laughs> nice. Well, that book sounds super interesting. So is the book mostly spiritual or is that just a piece of it? And it also is covering like the five levels. It's a piece of it. It's it's all throughout the book referencing certain things will come against, you know, I can't remember. I researched it when I was writing the book. I can't remember how many times the horse is mentioned in, in the, in the scriptures. Uh, it's like 300 times, maybe more, but, but then like you look in any other spiritual book, the horse is mentioned. I mean, you look at cave writings, the horse is there. It's the high, the petroglyphs you know, the horse is there. It's kind of like a centerpiece for almost every culture, uh, every continent it's it's interesting i just like stuff like that you know there's i just looked this up last night there's 50 almost 58 59 million horses in the world there's uh i guess about seven or eight billion people united states 330 million people we've got uh, nine million horses 2.5 million horse owners so access to horses it's not you know real accessible as maybe a hundred years ago, we had 2 million Mustangs roaming around not too long ago. Now we have 80,000 out in the wild. So that, uh, that piece of humanity, I, I, I do have one little reservation or fear, I guess. Uh, I hope that that wild horse, which it's in jeopardy of destruction. I hope that doesn't happen. And that's in my book. I have a solution to that problem. You know, my book explains two solutions to two major problems. Uh, the plight of the wild Mustang horse, the American Mustang, help us build this country, fight our wars, farm our fields, is in jeopardy um, of destruction. The United States service member, military service member, uh, mental health, it's, it's in decline. A suicide rate, they're very high. Those two problems, the DOD and the Department of Interior can come together and duplicate this school every military base in the United States. And I explained in my book how that could be. And uh, I put that book, I did that for leveraged impact to get the word out. Like I found something beautiful here. It's helping a lot of really cool people. It's helping a lot of really cool horses. And if this is duplicated, it could, it could be massive and helping people and helping horses. I was noticing a theme that you talked about how part of the healing and transformation comes from almost like an increased awareness. And I feel like there's something there with, it's almost like an expansion of consciousness or an expansion of your awareness when you work with the horse. Um, and when you were talking about how there's spirit, a spiritual element to the book, I, it just kind of clicked for me that that expansion of your awareness is uh, maybe that's part of the transformation and part of what's helping people. Absolutely. I probably shouldn't give it away, but in the book, it explains your five senses. They're very important. We as humans atrophied in, in some of them and then dome them down or dole them down with drinking or eating improperly, a uh, multitude of things. 
in keeping our five senses sharp and they're going to, you're going to max them out. I've been in the mountains for days on end and I got very good at tracking animals and being successful at hunting and getting paid very well by high powered people to take them hunting, getting, getting a, you know, big elk and mule deer. I almost got so good at it. I, I felt guilty because sometimes people didn't deserve this magnificent animal that I was so capable of presenting uh, such an ease of taking. So I kind of lost interest in that piece. Um, I took a veteran not too long ago to get one just because it is easy for me. I, I can do it, but it's, it's maxing out those five senses and they will max out. You will get to a ceiling in the human element that you are only capable of going so high, but then you have to turn it over to maybe we could call it subconscious. You have to turn it over to your sixth sense. And when I say turn it over to you, can't force this. You can't take it. You can only present it in a manner that you will attract it. And when you want information, you'll be worthy to receive it. Just like the wild horse coming to me, I'm only worthy to receive what they're going to reveal to me because of doing that, what I just said. Uh, they're true. They're honest. They're not going to just give you something you don't deserve. They're not going to sell out. Uh, it's against their it's against their nature. Um, domestic horse kind of will, but you know, we can go, I could go into depth on those two things, but to try to stay on, on target of explaining five senses and then tapping into a sixth sense, we all have, everybody has it. And uh, utilizing that to make something impossible possible. Understanding the art of creating something that you don't even know exists or could exist. Uh, it's kind of like this, um, the guy that, it, you know, we got an airplane that'll fly through the sky right now and you can sit in it with air conditioning and talk on email and people fly on them every day and they just don't realize the, man, the awesomeness of that one thing. But all the, all the little resources in the ground that it took to come together with all the knowledge and information of people collaborating to create that, that came from sixth sense and a lot of, well, maybe a few people, but a lot of people promoted after the fact. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so like uh, intuition and creativity and almost like manifestation. Yeah. So it's like a thousand people since uh, you, the time of people writing stuff down, I guess, out of billions of people figured out how to tap into that sixth sense and create things beyond the average person or the below average person. Um, and, but it's, a, it's available to everybody. I mean, all they got to do is start thinking and doing and becoming and then follow a few, just a few disciplines each day and do it again. And then again, and then again, and then through laws of nature, law of repetition, it becomes a habit. Um, that habit solidifies to where it becomes the character or the norm. And then what you're doing looks to someone else's, wow, that, that's so hard, but you make it look so easy. And then you realize, or I'm speaking for myself, I, look, I realize what I can do with horses, people are like, wow, are you a wizard? You know, and I, it stops me in my track sometimes and I think about it, but then I realize, man, I've just been doing this every day, 20 plus years, 
uh, I think this, I, I do this, I live this, I've become this. And then I've peaked out on the five senses. So then I, I, I've attracted information from somewhere, maybe collective consciousness is real and, you know, someone's thinking about it somewhere else. And then I tapped into the same thing. I, I don't know how it works exactly, but I got the information and then it starts clarity through that engagement of that information and then implementing it into a habit that I already created. And then, you know, it just feels normal. I'll keep doing it. But if it's, it's throwing me off center in some way, it's like, oh, I'm going down the wrong road. I'm either forcing it or I'm trying to take it. So then we'll come back to center and then it comes in and it, that's that sixth sense that I'm trying to explain in English I, words. But. I also have a theory. You mentioned like maxing out your five senses. And I think that that becomes more possible when you are really more connected with nature um, and sort of less connected with like, wi-fi bluetooth internet social media and when you're really tapped into nature and you're in that feedback loop that you were talking about i think that's how you do it that's just my gut intuition on how it works but i think you max out your five senses by really connecting with nature um, and being nature that we are and then once you do that you the sixth sense or like the intuition and creativity can start to emerge yeah yeah <clears throat> yes i so, totally agree I'm, I'm actually really curious to check your book out now that you mentioned this spiritual spiritual element and uh yeah I'll, ha I'll have to have to get a copy and check it out yeah cool yeah the uh the book was a life form of its own really i uh, never in a world my little world thought i would write a book uh, I, I don't know if I'll write another one, but the, uh, the thing about writing, I, I write every day now and it's like a, uh, it's a way to open a stream of consciousness on the paper. And, you know, I can think things all the time. I do all the time, but until I write it down and read it, it, it doesn't seem like it's real. And then sometimes I'll have a thought. And it's so good. And I want to keep it. And if I don't write it down, man, it's like trying to catch a wild horse in the dark. It can be done, but it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating type thing. So reading and writing, I think, is going away in a, in a sense for a lot of people because they're, they're going to this done-for-them, ready-made type stuff, this AI and whatnot. And man, I'm not going to step too far out of my expertise because I, I, I proceed into that realm with caution. But it's like, I, I want to create what I'm doing. Don't really want it done for me. And then I don't think humans were supposed to process that much information that fast. I agree. With, with, with this technology that's, you know, on the phone. Like, like well, the way I read social media or something, uh, I actually don't. <laughs> I just input and then um, I'll read like a real person comment. Sometimes I'll, I'll drift off into that scrolling thing because I hear people, they just scroll. I'm like, well, I want to try it, see what it does. And I'll get caught in it. It's like, well, I got to quit doing this. This is like taking me off into la la land. And, and that, it does. That's when it starts to bring the senses down. 
Yes. Yeah. And I feel it. And, and it's not the proper pressure at the proper time for a proper response that I'm on major purpose I'm after. You know, I look at things in minor purposes and if I can accomplish that and it's going to move me closer to that major purpose, I'm going to do it. If my major purpose, man, I look at it this way. If I'm just a root system to a tree that's going to bear fruit one day and I'm part of that, great. My major purpose got fulfilled 100 years down the road by duplicating my school at all these military bases. Fine. But I want to be as efficient and effective in getting to that major purpose while I have a soul and body on earth moving forward to do that. So, so I'll just do these tiny little minor purposes each day to try to move closer to that major purpose. This podcast is, is a minor purpose to fulfill that major purpose. Also, along the way, I want to share some information so another person can make a, you know, another choice, show an option. And, and I love doing that with people. You know, like I took 5,000 people trail riding and I interviewed them inadvertently. But I was really taking notes. I mean, a lot of note taking because somebody has something to bring to this to to really create something magnificent, uh, this life. It seems like you really genuinely do care about helping other people. Um, and I thank you for that. Um, I'm curious if your style of school, the American Mustang School, if it was implemented at military bases around the country, you think that would really have a profound impact on people's uh, mental health? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. not only would it do what I want it to do as far as targeting service members, you know, the ones that they're already selflessly serving, you know, humanity, human, United States people, they're, they're going to, implement something that would help a community. So everybody is a part of some community. I mean, I live in a place where it's predominantly golf and then it's horses. So those are two communities, but the military is a community. And then the town that's around that military is a community. So you bring horses in, you got subject matter experts off that base that it's a job now and they get to practice what I do here for their own brothers and sisters, service members. Then you got civilian coming in to partake, promote, contribute. You got horses that need to be a part of something they're called to do, which is, to, I think, to help us heal ourselves. They're just fine standing out there on the grass, so to speak, but, but they're in trouble right now. And we could go into that due to, you know, economics and money and whatnot, but it serves two very great purposes, you know, two national treasures, if you will, service member, American Mustang, the wild horse that helped build this country. They help fight our wars, farm our lands. The service member that wants to, in my opinion, is the last peacekeeper on earth. Once the American military is gone, I'm not I'm not sure that that we're capable of doing that anymore. Uh, so those two coming together and understanding uh, from a new perspective that mental health is is a key ingredient to the great human reconnection. 
Um, it's, it's going to bring a community of people that share a common interest, you know, life enrichment, the betterment of themselves through the betterment of each other. The feedback loop in the spiritual realm to where we present what we expect. If you want spiritual enlightenment, present that. If you want physical fitness, present it. Present whatever you want. That's the divine mind. We have the ability to create any circumstance we want. Now, we have to abide in those laws of nature. The law of compensation, you know, people are impatient. I'm speaking from me. I'm impatient by nature, you know, but you plant a seed. You can't run out there in three weeks and expect it to be bearing some sort of a fruit. You know, the law of compensation says it takes the time it takes for that to happen. In developing oneself, just be comforted to know that it's it's the happening that you want. It's the process to get where you're going that you want. If something you label as bad is happening, just know that that's that that's actually good, because you're you're having the ability to serve in a manner that is going to create something much better than you were before you did it, and then you'll the next event that happens, you'll maintain control of your four things. And that outside influence will have little to no effect. So each event gets easier and easier. So to where one day people look at you and like, man, you go, we walk through life where it's just so, looks so easy. Well, it actually is. <laughs> we weren't created to come here and, you know, struggle and be miserable the whole time. There, there's a ebb and flow, you know, waves come and go, all that thing. It, it's, and it's good if we want to just call it something, it's good. But the awareness is what we all need. And there's people that are not, they're not aware. I see them, I talk with them, I deal with them. Um, and they're not bad people. And I don't even look at it as anything good or bad. It's just like, man, I know there's, there's some information here that you could tap into and change your, your whole way of life. Yeah, that's amazing, man. You, I, you said a really, you said a lot of really amazing things there and I'm, I'm just like kind of processing it, but it sounds like increasing our awareness, expanding our consciousness. Some people call it waking up. Um, and also a couple of the things that I wrote down in my notes as you were speaking is it sounds like a lot of the transformation that people get comes from connection to community as well as connection to nature. Those are two big things that are sticking out to me that it sounds like people get from the work that you do with the horses. Um, and I may lose people on this, but I wrote down a third thing. I wrote down connection to community, connection to nature, and also connection to some type of spirituality. Um, and it sounds like people get all those things from your school. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's, you know, wild horses are a community and they're, they're, our Native Americans tapped into something that is a spiritual piece to that community. And it's, um, you know, I, we could go into really deep on this too, but it's, it's something the animals know. Whenever you tap into it, spiritual piece you know when you when you really on your purpose define i want to connect my mind my body my spirit 
and I want to present that to the horse and I want to observe the truth and honest feedback. That opens up information or energy. That could be interchanged either way. The energy or information, they're both the same, that you didn't have access to before. So, so whenever that happens, it's, it's tough to explain this, but like in a horse herd, they, they are a community. They harmonize or agree with nature. The same energy information is available to us that's available to them. When we go into their world, so to speak, the horse element, and we adapt to that, align with it to adapt to that, that's when it's revealed. But it's unique between that horse and that person. It's described a lot of the ways the same in some regards, but it, but it's it's almost it's almost not describable. You know, people will say, "Man, it's bliss. It's it's um, it's mesmerizing." It, it, you know, all I've heard all these terms, but the one common thing is it's it's something they always knew they had access to. They didn't know how to access it. It felt so good when it came in. They were like, "Oh, I always knew this. I always knew this." but I didn't, I didn't have it because they were probably coming from just the human five senses side that peaks out, maxes out. You, you can only attain so much that way. And when you get that sixth sense, that spiritual element, energy, whatever we want to call it, when that comes in, then you have access to information that's pretty much infinite and it's, it's unique to you. And it's going to, it's going to be yours because that you're the only one that can fulfill the purpose that needs to be fulfilled with gaining that. It would be it would probably do me no good to get it. That's why I can't create it or destroy it. I can't even see it, or neither could anyone else. So it's it's a um, it's a man. It's experiential learning. <laughs> is yeah. the best way to describe it. Uh, it's tough. That piece is tough. I'm still kind of navigating the way to explain it to somebody over a podcast yeah and i the thing that comes up for me as you talk about it is how if we strive to kind of max out our five senses then there's a sixth one that's available to us and i feel like because the horses are so connected to nature their five senses are already maxed out so they already have it yeah. And through working, through connecting and learning about the horse, you learn about yourself and then you can tap into that too. And then you start to find whatever, whatever, whatever potentials may be unique to you. Yeah. So it's kind of like this, maybe to help give the <clears throat> listener a um, perspective. When I was outfitting on the back of a Mustang horse, they would um, stop for no reason. Well, there's a definite reason, but Justin didn't know what it was. And they would look off into a direction and I would look between their ears to try to see like, what are they seeing? You gotta understand their vision, it's like binoculars for us. So we don't, we can't see as far as they can. They got night vision, we have to wear special equipment for that. They, uh, they can hear further, but they sense something 
because they've already looked as far as they can look, heard as far as they can hear, smelled as far as they can smell. You know, they've used those senses to try to figure out what it is over there. And I don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't smell it. And then not too much longer, a herd of elk will come walking down through this finger. And it's like, oh, there's elk. And I'll back the horses back down, tie them to a tree, and then I'll take the guys and we'll get into a better position to take a shot. That that's the best explanation I could give as far as developing a sixth sense when all your senses peak out. It's like you've done everything you can do to try to figure this out, but you've got to tap into that sixth sense, that infinite information that's available, but only if you're worthy to receive it will you get it. So it's not like I'm not going to force it or you know try to take it. I'm going to attract it. So in doing that with those horses, those wild horses, this is how I became very good at outfitting. I'm on a wild Mustang horse and I'm leading four or five hunters into the woods. And I'm doing this every season, day after day. Well, two years in, I'm riding a horse and he starts tracking the ground, sniffing. I thought, well, this is new. Didn't pay too much attention. Then he just takes a hard 90 degree turn left. And I was like, he's like on a mission. And I'm thinking, you crazy horse, what are you doing? Get back on the trail. We're going here. We're going there. You know, wherever Justin's, we're, I'm, I'm in charge here. We're going this way. You know, I got paying clients with me and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> he just took off. So I brought him back and we go and he does it again. And then I, I got curious. I was like, well, why is he doing this? So I told him, just follow me. You know, we're going where I don't think we should be, but, and then, you know, he, he goes and it kind of played out and I just took him back. I was like, well, I don't know what you're doing. Let's just get back where I wanted to go. And then he, he violently does it. And then I kind of get violent, like, you're not doing this. And he's like, yes, I am. And he, he runs up this hill and he stops and he turns and he dead stares. And there's five bull elk grazing on this pasture on the other side of these Aspen quakies. And I thought, Oh man, that's what he, we, oh my gosh. So I back him back down, tie the horses. We move in this particular event, the, this, there's two shooters. And I was like, look guys, we want to get really close. You got, you got to take your shoes off. We got to go barefoot or, you know, socks, get close, quiet. We you know, take our time. And then we belly crawl like the last 35 yards. And then it's like synchronized shooting here now. And, and, and I'm binoculars and I'm coaching and it's like, okay, just what I coached you with or told you guys with, breathe, squeeze, take the shot. Um, boom, success. And then getting back to camp, these guys are like, how, how did you know that they were there? How did, how did all this play out? And I told them, I said, look, man, it wasn't me. The, these horses tapped into what I was thinking and wanting and doing and through law of repetition of us doing it, it manifested into a reality and they, uh, you should be thanking them. So, so that's kind of a, to give you an understanding or a um, perception of, of where that sixth sense comes into play. Like I, I couldn't do it myself without the horse. And maybe there's hunters out there that they, they've developed that sixth sense and they're like, they're right over here. <laughs> and then they go, I didn't do that. I had the horse and then they gave me, you know, some information based on what, how they could tap into. 
but uh, that's the best way I could describe it. See, a, a lot of people would not be that aware and observant to be able to to go with the horse in that way. A lot of people would just pull it in the other way and then move on. But you seem to have developed this ability to have like an almost intuitive communication with the horse. And I wonder if you gained this ability from working with them so closely, but also living um, in nature for so long, because didn't you live in nature and sort of away from um, Wi-Fi and all that for an extended period of time? Yeah. The area I moved to Colorado in didn't have a cell tower for eight years. So I didn't have a cell phone for eight years. Didn't have internet, didn't have cable TV. You know, I watched a lot of Lonesome Dove and it was like, Kind of one of those things. Uh, it was a distraction anyway. Yeah. Because of what I really felt, that energy I was getting to absorb and being um, guided by the horse to receive <clears throat> was true and honest. It was real. It wasn't a distraction. It was like drinking from a well of the best tasting water on the hottest day you could imagine. You know, it was something that I wanted more and more of. But I realized that I could only get as much as I was worthy to receive. So, yeah, being in the mountains with those horses for that, that time frame, I, I got to develop awareness. And that's what I want to teach people. The very first thing we focus on is here's, here's what it is everybody needs. It's awareness. And um, I, I, want to, I, don't, I won't spoil this, but in the, I think it's the last chapter of my book. I explain how I was convinced there is a sixth sense and maybe a telepathic way to communicate with an animal. Uh, I have dear friends that are, they, they claim to be animal communicators and I ask them, how do you do it? And the way they described it to me, I could never do it. But, but what I got to go do, uh, it was real. I mean, what a as real as, what a blessing that you got to live that way with no cell tower around you for eight years. I really wonder if you were able to develop your personal sixth sense through being so immersed in nature and not having all these distractions of technology and Bluetooth waves blasting through your body from every direction. Um, that that's amazing. Absolutely. Um, Whenever I sold the company, I was stressed out to the max. I, I couldn't think straight, and I was I was had a quick, quick trigger to anger and uh, lose control. And I I had already quit drinking because I knew I was good at drinking. I was probably the best. I could win championships at doing that, and I liked it. I loved it, and just people around me didn't like me doing that. So I quit. the The business piece. I was, I was just dedicated, hungry, almost vicious at competition in that business. And I, I, I did very well, but it's almost like when you do so well, it becomes boring. And then it, then it was just like, I'm stressed out. I don't even want to do this. Mm -hmm. So I just prayed about it, man, and thought about it. And like, I got to go somewhere where I can recalibrate <clears throat> myself. And I want to, you know, a lot of things I want to do. I want to cater to people that want to pay me and smile doing it. I never wanted to work for the dollar again. I wanted to get away from 
outside influences that just didn't make sense to me anymore. Um, this overextended American lifestyle, being in debt, none of that. I didn't want any of it. I was done, you know, and I talk about that in the book and, and going to Colorado, I, I picked Buena Vista, Colorado first, but I, I couldn't afford it to stay in debt free. I couldn't afford to do it. So, uh, just by happenstance, a realtor took us 50, 50 something miles away to this remote little town. And I lived there. I bought there and I built my own house, with my own two hands. <laughs> wow. And uh, I mean, I'm talking every aspect of that house, the concrete, the electric, the plumbing, the walls, the roof, my wife designed it. I built it and, uh, I did it three times. And then, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And There's you talk like about it. The, you talk about like a lot of this. Roof. Oh, you sorry. About, sorry. You talk about a lot of this in the book. I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Uh, and there's nothing like being up on top of a, a roof of your house that you're building, and you see an elk bugling in a, in a September mist, and he's blasting that stuff out. You're like, hey, man, I live here too. <laughs> and then uh, you go inside, and you wake up every day, and you're like, I shot every nail, I hung every board, I I, I did a, I pulled wood out of the woods and hand hewn them. And built log decks and i mean i did it i did wow. the mountain life where it's you gotta create some understanding of what resiliency really means or improvised rigging you know all these terms that are thrown around <laughs> it's like well you gotta think out of the box you know there's there's even not even a box you just gotta get in nature and make it happen and there's a dependency that civilization or whatever they call it has uh, done to people, uh, created a dependency that, yeah, man, it's a dependency and it's not going to, uh, they're not going to fare too well when, when they're faced with, you know, losing what they're dependent upon and see horses, man, they could, I could open that gate. They'll go be just fine. They're not dependent on me. And uh, I don't, I want to keep them as natural as possible. So obviously they're dependent on me to feed them when I got them in a pen, but they haven't lost the capabilities like domestic horses have of surviving in the wild. And I do a lot of crossovers with humans and domestic horses because there's a lot of crossovers in a, in a human, you know, I'll have, uh, I'll have guys that are, they work in a high point of government and um, they're at a computer eight hours a day. You know, four walls, no windows, very secure locations, and day in and day out, and they go freaking crazy. And their their superiors are like, "Go touch grass." That's the term that that this guy told me. I was like, "I think I know what you're saying," but and essentially, it's get back in nature, reconnect with your mind, your body, your spirit. You know, these these guys are highly adaptable, but start taking those things away, you know, put them in a box on a computer <laughs> and it has its effects. And um, there's a lot of people doing that willingly, eight to 10, 12 hours a day. And they're, they don't know why they can't function efficiently and effectively in, in the world. So when, 
when that goes away, if, if that goes away, you know, worst case scenario, and they're forced to go out of their element and, and um, survive. I mean, I saw glimpses of it in COVID stuff. You know, I, I went and rode my horse. I was like, I'm just going to go get in nature. I, I know that I know how to deal with this stuff, but time to time I'd go to town and I would just watch nonverbal communication in people, which is kind of difficult sometimes when they're wearing that mask, but I never wore one. I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm just yeah. not going to do it. I just don't, I can't go into that thought pattern. You know, it's just, it's like, no, I'm not doing it. And people are getting upset and, you know, it's like I went to Walmart one time and the lady was like, you're not coming in without a mask. Just kind of wanted to explore the psychology behind it. So I started asking her why. And she was all about the law. <laughs> it's the law. It's like, OK, well, you got to educate yourself. But I was like, so you're not going to let me in? She's like, no. So, you know, we, we, we walk back out and we just go into the other door. And that little lady was just on her phone and didn't even notice us. So we walked right past her. So there's always another way to do something, you know, when you get resistance, but the mindset of people is so fragile when they're not in control of their thoughts and their emotions and their attitude and their action and what they're presenting to the world. You multiply that, you see mass, I got a chaos, I guess is what it is, but mass uh, confusion, you know, then, then there's widespread panic and it's like, man, you don't need to do that, but and we forget I, uh, that that was that was just a couple of years ago, and people seem to forget how crazy the world became. Yeah, I I'm so blessed to not be in in that realm. Uh, you know, when I got out of the military, it was in '99, and then I started a business. So I just stayed dedicated and focused to my business. I didn't even know there was like this big financial crash and all that in 2000. Um, then, uh, we, we cruise on into 2007, I, I sold my company and I went to the mountains to build a house from nothing. And, uh, so dedicated to that, I didn't really realize the 2008 crash. And then, uh, I, I move, I sell out and move to North Carolina in 2019 and then 20 hits. I was just dedicated to building the infrastructure and doing what I do. So I was just kind of set apart from all of that. And that, that's the way I've started 20 years ago in everything, you know, religion. I'm, I'm a, I'm a set apart one. I'm not mainstream. Uh, I, I actually embrace the set apartness and the horsemanship. I'm a pioneer in that. No, nobody's doing what I'm doing. So I'm, I enjoy that set apartness. Uh, it's really, really interesting to be able to, Think about something, uh, do it, become it, you know, and, and uh, manifest it into reality and then see the benefits of it for as many people that can have access to it. And uh, that's that's what everybody wants. I guarantee it. It feels so good. It's like, OK, there's two important days, the day I'm born, the day I find out why. And I found out my why. Yay. I mean, and then everything else is just peace and tranquility, you know, and after that. Pretty cool. Very beautiful, my friend. Uh, out of sheer curiosity, I'm just totally curious. How long did it take you to write your book? Okay, so May of 2022, May 10th, I just decided uh, I had finished a project, which 
is a whole other story, but I remodeled a house that I was going to use for veterans from all over the United States to come and stay in. But the COVID thing messed that up, so I sold the house. But anyway, I, I, I finished that project, and I was like, well, I think I need to write this stuff down. Because in the one year of doing that project, I thought a lot about how I wanted to take American Mustang School and what direction. I wasn't motivated by money, so it, that, that wasn't the piece. But how to really help as many people as possible with this information. So I was like, well, I think the first thing would probably be to write a book. So uh, I, I kind of understood a book is leveraged impact. It, it's something real people can pick up and you know hang on to throughout time. You know, the, the internet's a come and go type thing. Uh, they can read it and then, you know, forget about it in 10 minutes. So I sat down May 10th, started writing and I gave myself one year and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this over one year. So I dedicated one year and I, I launched the book May 1st of 2023. So I beat it by nine days. Amazing. And remind me, what is the book called again? A horse to guide me. Subtitle is uh, build the life you've always wanted through the miracle of Mustang horsemanship. And a person doesn't have to have a horse to, to understand what this book's about. Um, however, everybody that's read it is so fascinated to come play with horses. I'm getting people that, you know, they're 77 years old, they're playing golf, they read this book, they're over here like, can I, uh, can I see what you're doing? <laughs> Absolutely. So it's, it's very interesting. And then all around the world, I get, you know, reviews uh, from them reading the book. And um, it's, it's just a, a fascinating feedback loop that started based on presenting this um, and then, uh, yeah, it's, it took on a whole nother life form I didn't really know, but now I'm seeing it, so it's cool. I, I encourage anyone to write down every day and you know, get a stream of consciousness just flowing onto one page, blank paper, that's what I do, and um, just put it away. It doesn't, you don't even have to really do anything with it, but it's, it's neat to allow, a, you know, like a stream of consciousness to flow out of you and become real. Once you write it down, it's real. It's anybody can see here. This is real. Look at it. And then you can compile that. And uh, man, I've got notebooks full. I used to do a little, I, I actually did kind of a little podcast back in Colorado when we did get cell signal right there at the end. I had a tack room on the, on a hill that I built. And I set up a table and a computer and then I would just talk into it um, about stuff I wrote down and horsemanship and, those those are still in a Facebook group I have today that I, I sell a membership to for a lifetime membership of 250 bucks. And, and there's videos far back as, you know, let's see, five, seven, I guess, seven, eight years ago. And uh, it's me just sitting in a tack room and I'm, I'm talking about what I wrote in the book. And I, I started compiling the highlights and pieces and put into it. Wow. I didn't know I was going to do that back then. I was just sharing uh, with, you know, somebody who'd never listened. And uh, it was pretty cool. Amazing. I look forward to uh, checking out your book. And we're coming up on almost two hours. So uh, cool, man. just remind everyone, Justin Dunn of the American Mustang School in North Carolina. Um, is there anything else that you want to share? Like last couple of things before we sign off? Man, I just want to share, Jeff, I really appreciate you having platform like this to share with other people because 
I, I made up my mind. I want to be a guest on some podcasts and, you know, I looked at how to go formally to do that. And uh, I put this one pager thing together and all that, and I'd send it no response. And with you, I was just like, how do I get on your podcast? And I hit send. And then you responded like, yeah, come on. And I'm like, is it that easy? Why do I do all this other stuff? But yeah, so I just want to thank you for doing what you do because I just started listening to podcasts like uh, heavily three weeks ago. And uh, yours popped up because of a guy I, I follow a little bit on Facebook. I think he's amazing. I'd like to meet him one day, but you interviewed him and I heard that one. And that's when I was like, man, how do I get on your podcast? And I just hit it. But uh, that was Craig Sawman Sawyer. Oh, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. We, we had I, him on probably like a year ago. Oh, has it been that long? Okay. Yeah. Well, when I heard that one just the other day, that's that's what I was like. I'm getting on this one. <laughs> See how I can do. So, Amazing. Yeah, thanks. Amazing. Thanks you for know. having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. And yeah, hopefully people uh, get some value out of this and uh, find some connection to nature community spirituality um yeah there there's options out there for everyone yeah i believe so yeah so thanks again for coming on and uh bye everyone